Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sam Gilstrap. It's me, otherwise known as Sammy B. Real, otherwise known as DJ Enwar. Holla at your boy. What up? We got the real deal in the house tonight. We got Austin Terrell in the house. Hi, Austin. Hey, man. How you doing? Doing well. You pronounced Terrell the right way. Oh, nice. I am. Uh, I was a huge Terrell Owens fan, and I knew that he pronounced his way deliberately on purpose because he's just that much of an asshole. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it's. I'll collect. I, I will correct waiters at restaurants if they call me the wrong name. I'm, you should. Yeah, man. It's, it's your name. fucking name. Get it right. Yeah. The second they start slacking on that, they'll slack on anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've had plenty of spit in my. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely you are. Yeah, you definitely are kind of being. That line, yeah, but that's okay. Toe that line, respect. Yeah, but it's the principle of the damn thing. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, episode thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Yes. Shit. I'm glad a, I'm not afraid of that number. No, it really. Yeah. If not, I would have had you leave, and we can come back and do fourteen. It would just like record right on top of the other. Um, the opening song again, as always, is "War" by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Of late, I've been thinking about changing it up, and you know, it's just got a great opening. It just feels so right. That's solid, man. It's 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 good. So please download the track on iTunes ASAP. Um, it's it's just fun. And if you and if you've seen um, the Hunger Games movie, it's in there too. Watch the Stanley Tucci show within the show, and it's in there. <laughs> um, we are we're cooking along. Before we get started, I wanna I wanna do some housekeeping here. Next week is gonna be huge. It's spring break for me at school, so that means I'm hitting you with at least six interviews already scheduled. We've got T.J. Hogel, Anastasia Davidson, we have Emma Messenger, we've got Lauren Ballman and Jessica Ostigen. That's probably going to happen. It's a twofer. It's going it's going down, folks. Damn. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have Missy Moore at the end of the week. What? Yeah, and I'm still trying to get more people involved. We've got a chance to have Sylvia Gregory in the next two weeks. Nice. Stay tuned for that episode. We are going to start getting corporate sponsorships soon. I'm putting it out there, universe. Make it happen. I believe in you. Nice. We've got, we're, we're asking Stephen Weitz, Susan Lyles, and Amanda Berg-Wilson to make time for me as well. Len Mateo, Jason Maxwell. We're making it happen, folks. Trust me, they will be here. And thank you. For staying with us, our our likes and downloads have doubled since last time I did this with Laura Lounge. Nice. So we're gonna keep this going. No pressure, Austin. Be great. <laughs> I might as well just leave right now. Okay. Oh, no, stop it. Here we go. Stop it. So, Austin, the the question I ask all my prey, acting. How'd you get involved? What happened? Man, how did I get involved in acting? Um, so like so many. People in my uh, town. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Which, mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, it was between sixty and eighty thousand uh, in there, in like the outlying area. So more than acting, it was church. Mm. So uh, church is really where it started, man. Doing like um, I was always in the the church play or the church musical, that kind of stuff. So if I had to pick a time uh, when I said this is what I'm gonna do. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, I'd say when I was about 16 or 17, I got... Um, what did I read? I read um, I read Hamlet's soliloquy for the first... Like, read it as a character for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the idea to me that... Um, 
Because you know, back in the day, it was um, it was the uh, the Olivier Hamlet that everybody knew and they loved, and and uh, that confounded me because I I watched it with my dad. My dad was an actor. Uh, oh really? In high school, yeah. He actually awesome. went to he he started to go to college for it and ended up being a lawyer. So. Oh. Um, I'll tell you. <laughs> Tell you what he told me the day before my first major competition for Texas. We did this thing called one act plays. Okay. Um, I'll just tell that now. Um, Do it. So the day we were leaving for, I was performing the American Clock. We were we had to drive down to Plainview, Texas, which is like forty miles away. So we had to one act plays this huge competition in Texas. Um, uh, to load up, you have to have the same. Everybody has the same set pieces. Like mm-hmm. you have two ramps. Two four by four platforms, four four by four platforms, or mm. four by eight platforms, like mm-hmm. kind of a set deal. And so, had to get up super early because we had to get everything down, get into the U Hall, down to Plainview, compete, and then you know, uh, the ceremony afterwards to say who won or who advances. Um, and my dad tells me that morning that he won Best Actor in State when he was a senior in high school. And Best Actor in State is a huge deal. Yeah. Like, People have gotten full rides to the people who got that went to like full rides at SMU, full rides at Trinity at the time, full mm-hmm. rides at UT because the best actor at state. So I basically just my dad gave me his celebrity status the morning before my first performance <laughs> of this huge competition. I was like, all right, so no pressure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. But he knew I was into it. He knew I liked it. Um, mm. But the the Hamlet thing. Whenever I realized that I wanted to be an actor was. Mm-hmm. I was reading, uh, I'd watched the Olivia Hamlet, and I thought the thing that every actor thinks, um, <clears throat> I could do that. <laughs> I could do that better. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard the, how many actors does it take to take a light bulb, or huh? to change a light bulb? How many? Uh, oh no, you'll do it fine. I, <laughs> I just would have done it differently. <laughs> changed at all since then like the passion to be there yeah for sure hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah how's it um, changed um you know you because when you're when i was 16 um i don't know what really drew me i think it was the fact that i, I uh you know at that time in your life you're you're already trying to figure out who you are mm-hmm. anyways that's a huge part of that process and so being an actor at the time kind of confused maybe some of the development that I could do as a person. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so re-accepting that whenever I went to college for it. Because, you know, that's when you, like, you go to college for it and you think, oh, shit, I actually have to start making this my business of yeah. what I'm going to do in the future. Um, that's not exactly how it worked out. I got I got, uh, I got cast a lot in college. I was... Still hold the record for the number of main stage shows that I did at my university, which is 14. Awesome. Uh, That's made impressive. A, made a lot of people jealous, made a lot of people angry. I looked older mm-hmm. than everybody because I started losing my hair when I was 20. Uh, so, like, I had a I had a five head instead of a four head. I had a huge receding hairline. I like Polonius and, you know, those those roles that needed age. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to play. 
play them. So, <clears throat> but the chair of the department actually pulled me aside our senior year. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, you know, I, I respect that you have a lot of work and you've been worked with us, but you have to realize this is not going to continue for you right now. Um, I was like, my, my personal chagrin at that yeah and him saying that was no, screw you man I'm you know, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my work I'm gonna get my work and he's like listen if you go out and you just audition for stuff even if you just hit the hit the boards auditioning you look older than you are and you like not a whole lot of companies are gonna be willing or accepting of that mm -hmm. and that is true it was really true wow. um Part of that was moving to Denver, where it was a pretty small scene. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did get kind of, I, I got my start at the Denver Victorian off of 41st and Hooker, which Hell has yeah. since, since been sold. God bless it. Mm -hmm. um, Big ups to the, vid, the Vic, man. I love the Vic. Wade Wood, how at your boy. Wade Wood, good guy. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, man, I didn't get a whole lot of work right after that, and uh, um, lived in Denver for seven years with my wife, six years with my wife. Mm -hmm. um, we were still dating at the time. Uh, at one point, I took a trip to Ireland with a couple of great people, uh, the Aducis, Laura Aducis, oh, yeah. uh, Rita Broderick, I don't know if you... Oh yeah, yeah of course. So, uh, we, we took a group over there and we did some shows over there and um, it's kind of kind of like our own little endeavor and then when I got back I started working at a hotel so like working nights and stuff like that I couldn't mm -hmm. do uh, theater work so um, yeah that, that, that started a really weird dry period in my artistic life because mm -hmm. then we decided that we got married uh, I was doing a lot of improv at the time and that mm -hmm. was kind of satisfying my urge, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the itch, the scratching the acting itch, um, which if anybody hasn't done improv as an actor, as, like if you think you're just an actor, spread your wings and do some improv for a little while, because there are some phenomenal, I mean, I, you're going to talk with Lauren Ballman and Jessica Austin yeah. about this, but talk about like cutting your teeth and not, and, and, and getting out of your comfort zone and like letting yourself be free of that's a huge, huge part that uh, that improv did for me. But I, I got to, uh, so we decided to move to Austin after we, after we got married. Okay. And um, at that point, I hadn't gotten cast in any show mm. for almost two and a half years. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really auditioning. I was kind of in between. I was doing improv most of the time, and that was taking a bunch of my time. Um, is around 2013. So we got married in 2011 moved to Austin in 2012. No work, no work. A friend of mine uh, who worked a lot, works a lot in Dallas, works, uh, lives in LA now, mm -hmm. he came down to shoot a movie with uh, that he'd, he'd co-written. Um, Stephen Walters, The Bounce Back. Or I think it's called. It was originally called the the bounce back. It's called Love and Air Sex. I think it may be on Love and Air Sex. Ooh. Uh, great Netflix, huh? Netflix or Amazon? 
Nice. I think, yeah. It's great. Teacher, really good, good fun. Like, I got to wake up at five in the morning and be an extra in the Alamo Draft House and throw popcorn at a bunch of drag, at, 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 at not, no, he is a drag queen, but he was playing <laughs> his other character that day. Uh, but I got to watch some weird, weird air sex competition stuff, which was pretty fun. It, so air sex, is that like air guitar? Yes. Awesome. And there are competitions every year, and uh, I think they're always in Austin, but people will have <laughs> air sex, <laughs> and they will compete, and this is a world championship. I actually know the uh, uh, one of the air sex champions in 2015, I think is when he won it. Pretty nuts. I, I gotta say, I wonder if air sex championship status equates to good sex when it counts. I would assume absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. You have to, <laughs> if, unless you have like a really good air partner who mm. who respects your, you, you know, respects mm. your body and respects the way that you. Absolutely, move. you have a safe word. Right. Ours is Rubik's cube. The air is always gonna be my mine. Mine has always been parachute. Parachute or pineapple. Pineapple is more like slow down. Parachute is mm. stop. Nice. No, that's a good call. Yeah. It's yeah. safe. Yeah, it's, unless you're uh, fucking on the plane. Yeah. And then you're... And then it's just, we're going down. somebody gets scared. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I got my foot stuck in the toilet again, but can we stop Parachute. It? Parachute. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, but, but I, I, I lost my, uh, you know, I lost my mojo. I lost my, my, my desire to do any shows. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was drinking too much. I was, so. Uh, I was spending a lot of time uh, really focused on the wrong part of my creative process, mm-hmm. which is I should be doing more, mm. or people should be giving me more, Yeah. Um, when in reality I, I needed to be making my own work, or nice. I needed to get uh, get out of my own way. And um, totally. he, my friend Steve, uh, or co-wrote another show with a friend of his in, in Dallas uh, telling the story of uh, kind of exploring the story of John Wilkes Booth mm-hmm. um, and they produced it the Second Thought Theater in Dallas and, and I went up for a reading in early 2014 it's all the blur yeah. yeah it was the craziest ice storm that like Fort Worth and Dallas I've ever seen it was four inches of ice just, and I'm not I'm not like not just like mm. snow drizzle, it was hard ice. Mm. Like it was an ice cube. The whole city. I know we, exactly what those are like. But we still did our reading. We still wow. we still read that that out, and they they planned to produce it. And they did. Mm. So in the spring of 2014, I went to Dallas. Uh, I was working. I was working working remotely. My job gave me the okay for it, mm. and. Um, it was actually the reading that I did, which was, I think was December 20, yeah, it was December 2013 that I did the reading. And that night, in, you know, four degrees outside, uh, freezing, uh, and we had a, we had a reading in this nice little small black box space, and they had, I, I, I don't know if it was a, Actually, I don't think there was a candle. I think I just imagined a candle being there because that's that's what started my reconnection with making art a part of my life. Mm. Um, and I met this phenomenal group of people. Some of, some of them I've gone to college with. Some of them I've just met. Mm. But um, that story, that production, um, I left that night 
feeling warm inside and feeling alive again. Mm. And it's, it's such a uh, it's it's a phenomenal story. I don't want to uh, I don't want to jinx anything that they've they've worked on before, but uh, they you know they were working on getting it out to a major a larger audience, a major audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like we sold out. We were one of the best selling shows that summer, and we. just that cast which was a pretty big cast for the show for the theater that ran it mm-hmm. um, we all jumped back in we all uh, quite a few people jumped back in to actually play the parts that they read for and yes. oh, man it's one of those it was one of those those, those mind changing life changing shows that said you know art has to be a part of my life can't just let it be the periphery. I can't let it be just improv. I've got to do this. Yeah. So, since then, man, that maybe is really when I started acting. Nice. So, 2014. I, I remember the first time I came across you, and uh, we were doing an, a callback for Harvey. Spotlight. Oh, shit. Because I I remember I remember walking in, reading for the doctor, and I saw you on the other side of the room, and like this. Here's this guy who is clearly younger than me, bald, he looks like, I I thought you had shaved your head for the part. He was like, you were perfect. Yeah. Like back at, I think I'm pretty sure it was Spotlight. So in front of Bernie Cardell, and then you came out and read the scene, and I was like, well, I'm going home now. And I shit you not, I got sent home. (laughs) He's like, I didn't even get a chance to read it a second time. Was that, wait a minute, was that Harvey or was that the spot on 17th? Mm -mm. It was Harvey. It was the bunny, because huh. it was gonna be it was gonna be uh, Andy Anderson as our as the main guy. Oh yeah. And then somebody else was gonna be. There was a couple of the women involved, but they got, then the, the doctor is who I was going after. Dude. Yeah. God, I can't really remember. But I think that was before your trip back home, back to Austin anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And since you've been back. You've been CSF, like just catamounts everywhere. Man, I've, I've, Be, uh, Betsy. Betsy was. Oh, I'm so glad you're having Anastasia on. She is phenomenal, dude. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, and, I, and and so much of that came from, uh, from my time in Austin and not being afraid of. Okay, so when I moved back to Denver, it was March second. Mm-hmm. No, it was uh, no, it was February twenty eighth, uh, two thousand fifteen. And I thought to myself, I was living, I was going to be living with my in laws for the foreseeable future until we found a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they lived like way down in Littleton, and um, <clears throat> and I said, you know, hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. I've got a job that lets me work remote all day long. Like, if I can get into a show and start rehearsing, then we can start doing that as soon as I can. Yeah. So two days, three days in, March 3rd, I auditioned for uh, a movement piece at the Denver Center mm. called Perception. And I, I, I did not think I was going to get that. There's a bunch of, like, live, good-looking people mm-hmm. that, like... Like swung on trapezes and Absolutely. did all this like dance work and stuff like this, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, 
gonna get my name out there, and I actually ended up getting in that that company. That was a that was a hell of fun show. Uh, kind of crazy, kind of weird. Like you walk through all that. It, it was in the Newman Center. It was on the fourth floor. Um, like through the hallways and that kind of stuff. So That's crazy. That kind of got kind of got me energized right when I first got back. Okay. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah. It's been good. But you know that like CSF was seven or eight years coming. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for them for for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember I remember looking across the table uh, a few times at Jeff Kent, mm-hmm. a few times at Philip Sneed. Uh, like those those are the people that I remember auditioning for. Like until recently, when when Sylvie started casting, yeah. um, I didn't know her when I first moved back. But but then you know with with time and with with meeting new people, uh, I got to meet her. But yeah, I remember the days when I when I auditioned for them. What I remember, I think maybe because we were just kind of in the actor arena. Mm-hmm. First time I remember meeting you yeah. was shortly after I got back in twenty fifteen, and you were casting. Uh, any given Monday? Any given, any given Monday. Yeah. And I felt so bad <laughs> because I got a, because I, I had a, I had a, I had you waiting and I had a callback for DCPA mm-hmm. for one show and I was so, I was so torn at that point and I should have just, should have gotten the work where I could get the work but you know, that's what I remember and I, th- I, for years, for, for the year after that mm-hmm. uh, until we met one another again, I was like, man, that dude, Hates me. He probably hates me. No. I hated you for about 30 seconds. And because I was sitting from the perspective of, as I sit now, like, um, this is the best example I can give you. Uh, I did this show, Black Elk Speaks, uh-huh. and this guy who had never in his life, before being in a hospital, bumping into Danielle Betts, had ever acted in his life. <laughs> never in his life. He's making feature movies now. Because of Black Elk Speaks, he just did a movie with Jessica Chastain. And there's this, there's like, oh man, that could have been, no. No. Fuck it. Yeah. It was, it was right for the moment. And if you have the Denver Center opportunity to go for, give it your all. Fair enough. Go for it 110%. I mean, you gotta, gotta take care of you. And besides, it, it, it all worked out in the end. We didn't stop our forward momentum. We're still making good shit. Gotta get that work. Definitely. Gotta get that work. What is it? What What is it about? You have this this experience in an ice storm, working with these people, and feeling warm inside. How would? Where did that warmth come from? Is it from the community aspect of it? All these people working together for a common goal, or was it something else? Honestly, I think the the thing that struck me, and this is something that I've always been super surprised by, is when a story when a story actually gets you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the story that they wrote it's it's um you know John Wilkes Booth he's not a person you should like absolutely not a person you should sympathize with mm-hmm. and yet they the way they wrote this story the way they controlled this uh, this narrative of him mm-hmm. you start to see you started to see these these people get. Uh, dimension and 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 uh, meaning so quickly, mm-hmm. and I think that was that's definitely one of the strongest parts of that that writing process, um, especially for them, was making sure that nobody in this show is one dimensional, historical, and hated. 
or one-dimensional historical and just love interest. Uh, you know, they, they wrote characters with depth and with with um, with needs that that we could address immediately. Mm -hmm. And um, and seeing that and hearing that because in improv it's it's the next thing. It's yeah. yes, and we're gonna and 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 I actually think. Uh, and I'm not the only one, obviously, who thinks this. You can learn so much about dramatic storytelling if you do improv. Yeah. Like I did a show with um, uh, with Royce Rosewood, and, mm. and um, we played the oh, what's the place with the rabbit skull in um, the bakery. Mm, yeah, yeah. The bakery downtown against or opposite um, uh, a team that. Jessica and, and Lauren put together, mm -hmm. uh, and we did a full, or we did a, I want to say it was a 30 minute one act sort of play, mm -hmm. but our, our intent was never to be like, overtly, let's be funny. Yeah. But we made up a cohesive story that lasted <clears throat> 30 pages, or 30 minutes, and, um, sorry, I'm really? <clears throat> swapping ideas, but you, um, I think what got me about that show, what made me feel warm inside, was the fact that I had found a group of people that, and there are groups like this in so many places, but I got this one group, this one set of actors where they could have called off the night and said, it's too icy, it's too crazy, no, no, we're not going to do it. But everybody in the cast um, said, we're here, we've got the scripts, we've got the time, we've got the the gumption to go for it. Let's mm. just read it. Yeah. And we had a full house that night, which was just a prediction of what that show was, was going to be. Yeah. Got a huge, the show actually got a huge donation from the Texas uh, Arts Commission. So we had a big grant. We had a lot of money to produce it. Nice. Uh, I, mean, I mean, a good amount of money to yeah. produce it. Nobody, nobody ever gets enough money. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, man, it, it, it's, it's the, and I think this is why I feel like there was a fire, or there was a candle, or there was something, mm -hmm. is in the in that primal human way of making acting not be about uh, the fame part of it, or who knows you, or how much you can do, or how much you're recognized personally. Um, it's gathering around a story, and I mean, it's get, it, it's gathering around a fire and telling a story. Yeah, it's in improving others lives by telling them giving them something to learn mm -hmm. and um and we all just we leaned into it nice. we leaned into that turn and made it yeah and it was that's the magical part of that show and that whole experience how often do you in your experiences have you found experiences like that working with people um, telling a story on that level, or at least trying to connect to that? Um, it's definitely not every show. Mm. I think everybody can realize that. You, you know, you're doing, and no, no guff to little shop of horrors because it's a great show, but yeah. like, you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling yeah. necessarily all the time. Maybe you do, depending on the cast. Yeah. I haven't gotten it when I've done it, but uh, I've had a few other experiences. If I had to draw one out, I had to say, um, Uh, yeah, my work with Betsy, Silence mm. Guy. Silence mm. Guy was was 
total fanboy with Lauren Gunderson. Like I'm, <laughs> and my wife knows this. I am in love with that woman. Mm. I'm absolutely in love with her work. Um, so she's your she's your hall pass, oh, Lauren Gunderson. <laughs> dude, I, dude, it, she's she's a good looking lady too. Mm. Do not mind saying that. It's smart. You she's wouldn't kick a, her out of bed for eating crackers. She's, but she's, but dude, she's got a chemist, like super duper smart husband and a kid. So I'm not. Gonna, oh I'm man. Not, I'm not gonna wreck any homes. She's happy. Crap. Oh right. Yeah. She's actually super sweet. We did a talk back. <laughs> her, her kid was was kind of like yelling, and she's like, "I've got about 20 minutes, but you know, I hopefully he'll stay quiet for a while. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you can't smell through the camera because I'm in his room and it's just." terrible <laughs> she's, she's just super down to earth and way sweet nice. and really nice and I, I, I heard uh, Rodney Liz Kano who did the Book of Will mm -hmm. at DCPA said she was like she was there a couple of times or, or there for some of the process and he said she's just really down to earth nice. way 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 normal around mm. everybody but um, yeah that that particular show um, a because of Betsy's preparedness, um, they do a great job of preparing their actors. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you worked with, with Heather Beasley as your dramaturg. Yes, I did. Super smart. Oh like, man, you cannot. And, and, and there's, there's, um, you know, we got the we got the chance to work with or to meet Davis Sobel, who wrote the book about the Harvard computers. Mm. Um, did a lot of of <clears throat> really great research, and the, I mean the the. Uh, I'm gonna name drop here because they were such a phenomenal cast, and there's some of my, like, mm. like I went and saw something rotten with Karen Lamoureux, uh, Lamorno, and uh, Leslie O'Carroll, um, who every time I see her, I still mimic her character to her and say, "Hello, my dear." I always do that to her, and um, and uh, uh, Rachel Turner and I got to to work. Uh, well, we worked near each other mm -hmm. in CSF this last summer, and every time I saw her, I'd lunch with her, you know, at, up at Boulder a couple of times, and, it, and Anastasia, I mean, I've worked with, yeah. uh, we, we did You on the Moors right after, or, you know, a couple of months after we did Silent Sky, but that, um, that group and that show, um, it's so focused on, on, Something that is so nebulous, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it really made me. Um, I, I've considered myself a feminist since I was about twenty-one, mm. uh, when I learned the true meaning of the damn word. Mm. Um, it doesn't just mean unhappy woman. It means so it's, much. It's not more. the PCU definition. It's not angry lesbians. It's yeah. it's it's what every man in our world should aspire to be and it's whatever it's what every person should aspire to be mm -hmm. um and i don't i say that in a really broad brush stroke sort of way but yeah. um because we can do a deep dive on that for oh, sure yeah, for sure but like working in shows like you on the moors yeah you learn you learn what it's like whenever you have women in power yeah. and it's so freaking good like i worked with and i think part of that experience was working with like because on that show uh uh, Kate Marie yeah. is our director. Yeah. Karen Horns, our phenomenal stage manager. Tina Anderson, our set designer. Yes. Like, th 
this is what happens mm -hmm. when you have a phenomenal female cast and you come together and you 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 work on a story about strong uh, female characters and I, I I don't like the term feminine characters because it, it, it implies that there is something that, that a, a feminine character should work a certain way mm. but that show to me just cracks those molds in such wonderful ways yeah. and it also takes a look at masculinity in a really uh, uh, a really understanding light yeah um, I think she writes you know she's not setting up every male in her show as a straw man she <clears throat> she lets those people breathe and have some work to do mm -hmm. um, even if it is just to get over themselves over their tripping uh, uh, words and that's a great way to describe it. It's a, yeah, that group of women, that show specifically was a, a phenomenal, another stepping stone in, in doing the work of being an actor mm -hmm. uh, is also so, so important. Like mm. learning the story behind the story, yeah. uh, or the story behind the script. Uh, read about the history, man. The history of the Harvard computers is, is astounding. Mm. It's so cool. But, yeah, I'd say that's probably the next show that really made me feel that, that fire in it, if I had to point to one. That reminds you why you're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. If, any, if any actor ever wants to feel that way, read a Lauren Gunderson play, because uh, you'll find something in it that you connect to absolutely. super deeply. And I, I, <laughs> I don't know if this affected my casting one way or the other. Mm. I got through one read with Anastasia uh, for the callbacks for that show, and and she and I had had because there's a really awkward moment between Peter and Henrietta, um, and no spoilers, <laughs> right? And, uh, it's been out for a while uh, yeah, since like 2011 or something. All right, so um, if, they, if you haven't read, if you haven't it, read it, read it. It's your fault. Here we um, go. <laughs> but the. Uh, it's a really awkward, jittery kind of romantic scene. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get her to come with him to Europe, and uh, it, it, it's just it's so awkward. And it's uh, well, 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 we'll, um, well. There's there's uh, dancing and, and lobster, which is fun or terrible. Mm -hmm. I, it's that kind of stuff. And he's just <laughs> tripping over this this stuff. I love this guy already. Oh my God, Peter Shaw. He is. It's what. It's what. What we should all aspire to be. Mm -hmm. Dachshund named Carl and he plays the clarinet. Anyway, uh, uh, the I I was re I was doing the scene with Anastasia and I'd never met her before mm. prior to this. After we read the scene the first time, I look at Kate and I go, "Okay, I'm just gonna say this. I love this script. I just love this script so much. I just gushed for like two minutes mm. about how much I enjoyed the story arc." She was like, "Okay." Can you read it again? Because I want to get another read off you. I was like, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Yes. But I just, I just had to, I had to, I just, I exploded. This goofy, like, fanboy moment over Lauren Gunderson. So, nice. thanks for casting me anyways, Kate. Oh, yeah, Kate. Um, I, one of my things I've always enjoyed about you, and I, and I got to really experience this during You on the Moors. Mm -hmm. It is clear you are one of, in my opinion, the... Most well read, one of the most well read actors in town, and 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 I that's also probably coming from the fact that the only time actors talk to me is when I put a 
glass of whiskey in their hand and a microphone in front of them. But uh, you, your knowledge is apparent. What is it that it feels like, Austin, that you are still a fanboy of all of theater? Like, you read a lot of plays. What Do you feel that's a necessity? And if, it's, and, and if it is and if it isn't, what, what draws you into just reading scripts? Um, I will, well, I'm, uh, thank you for, for the compliment, but I would, I'm going to refute you. I think okay. I, I don't think I read enough. Okay. Uh, uh, I, try to, I try to read a new script or a new play a month mm. if I can. Mm. And, and sometimes, man, you just, you just can't do it. Yeah. My big thing is, and I think this has been everybody's, uh, issue. It's not just Shakespeare that this happens with, but you really you don't get as much from a play if you read it alone. Mm. Um, which yeah. is why I always really enjoy a chance to get together with people to read the show. Mm. Um, I do try and read and keep up on stuff mainly because I mean you know there's a constant search for monologues. There's mm-hmm. a constant search for new material. Um, one thing I will do, and I, I will absolutely give props to Sam, props to uh, Sam and Sylvia for this, mm. um, Gregory. <clears throat> During their audition class at the DCPA, they they say you know always be looking for new new material, and one of the things they told me is find the movies that you like, find the the episodes that you like, see if you can find that writer, see if you can track that down to uh, scripts that they've written to to anything that they've done and read that watch it so I think I actually watch more um, stuff that I wouldn't typically watch yeah because um, it, it piques my interest in, in a specific person's writing style um, very similar to like music that I listen to as well like Alexander de Plot I, I just plot he put the music for The Shape of Water mm-hmm. um, which I loved and I hadn't really realized that I loved his music for years, but once you see <clears throat> or hear that music, you you seek it out. Mm-hmm. You start to learn all those things. So I think, um, I do think it's super important for us to stay well-read. I also think it's really important for an actor to stay well-read in things that are not plays. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the... I actually I listened to it previously, and I was, on, I was usually on, like, uh, on the road, mm-hmm. driving between either here in Boulder, I think it was here in Boulder. Um, God, did I listen to that during Silent Sky? Maybe not. Uh, Norse Mythology. Okay. Like I've been listening to Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman, and that great. that has been a great source because he says in the foreword of the, the book, he says, um, <clears throat> if you like these stories, learn how to tell them yourself. If you like these stories and you, you want to learn, uh, you know, uh, why you should never catch a salmon uh, outside of a cabin, because it might be Loki trying to fool you. Um, if you like if you like telling stories, um, you know, learn these and adapt. It's Tom Hiddleston trying to fool me. I might be down. I know, right? Mm-hmm. He's dreaming. <laughs> oh, my God. God, Tom Hiddleston. You can catch my salmon anytime, Tommy. Wow. Wait, you were saying? But that, that kind of stuff, I think, it, it definitely is important. For, I mean, if you, uh, if you're an actor and you're obviously if you're gonna try out for a show, read the play. Yeah. And if you can't read another script by by that 
get an idea of what their their writing is is going to be like or what their their comedy is like. Um, the Foreigner is a great example. Um, you know, hashtag Froggy is British. Oh my god, dude, you and me both. Hashtag Froggy is British. <laughs> oh, I love Jeff Kemp for texting us. Yeah. Uh, to say that. <laughs> Wait a second. It happened to you too? Oh yeah. No way! Yes, 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 I went in and I read and I was like, <laughs> his lines look really weird, but they don't look southern. Is he British? And then, uh, and, and my scene partner started going southern and I was like, I better go southern as well. <laughs> I could have sworn he was British, but I'll just go southern. And I did it and I get an email from Jeff. <laughs> moments after I walk out of the room and he said, British, dude. Oh like, man! Oh. oh, I was dead in the water. Oh, I walked out feeling just terrible. You did hear my story? Oh no! So here I am at the Arvada Center auditions this last year, and I get to start. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got to get some more whiskey. I totally get it. Um, I'm I'm auditioning. I, I get the side for Froggy, and I start reading it. And I'm like, oh, I got a pretty good beat on this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my southern accent because obviously I didn't take time to to Google the damn thing at the very least actors yes please read your scripts in advance but if you don't have the time as as the future email that I got later that day would state please Google that shit um, anyway so here I am I'm auditioning and the co-star for me in that scene says that's a great choice. I love your choice. She shook my hand before we went in there and said, I love that choice for Froggy. Fantastic. This woman directed the show like 10 years ago, according to her. I never checked her resume. We go in there, and I start doing my southern accent as Froggy, and out of the corner of my eye, I see, I see a laptop open and a head down in the laptop. I left my phone in the car because, God damn it, I'm a professional. That's <laughs> <laughs> my, my saving grace, apparently, is I, having my phone with me. I got, in, I got into the... Fuck. I got into my car. There it is. Son of a bitch. Froggy is British. Froggy is British, Sam. Google that shit. Google that shit. <laughs> Quote, unquote. I saved that email. That's why it became a fucking hashtag... And I can't wait for April 2nd. Announce that season. Let me sign up for auditions again. It's about to go down. Anyway, there's the bitter Sam Speaking out of the way. Of though, man, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to... So, if Sam gets to, you know, tune the trumpet on, on, on what I do as an actor, <laughs> I fucking loved you as... Uh, <clears throat> I always get his name wrong. Potso. 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 I fucking loved you as Potso. Oh, thank you, man. I love and. You and Josh, like the the talking about waiting for Godot at the Arvada Center with uh, Tim McCracken and Sam Gregory mm-hmm. as Sean Scrutchins oh hiding in the back. God, it was so. I mean, it was such a pretty show yeah. to begin with, and then you get this fucking like this character that walks out of nowhere, and there oh, you just you you. You lit it up, man, and, mm. and for the for the break between Vladimir and Estragon to 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 get you out of that world for even just a split second mm. and even deeper into their world. Yeah, you did such a phenomenal job in that show, man. Thank you, man. Congratulations. That was Thank really you. really great. Job. 
Thank you, sir. I will definitely choose you on that. Good shot. That was. Um, uh huh. Oh my god, I can't remember at all. Probably. Yeah. I. Beautiful, beautiful set. I went hard, hard for those auditions. Like, um, I got two sides: one for bus stop and one for waiting for Godot. And then I read for Pazzo, and I read for the sheriff, Will, Sheriff Will, in uh, bus stop. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not gonna fuck around. I've got enough time between audition to call back. I'm getting off book. And I got off book, and I, I called in sick to the Denver hospice job. I could finally tell you the truth, Denver hospice. I called in sick at like 5 in the morning. Oh, I'm throwing up. I can't come in today. Went into my callback, and I was, it was one of the first times in my life where I'm like, I'm going to just jump and let the parachute open. And to work in that room, even in just an understudy, if they just paid me to be an understudy for both of those shows, yeah. or one of those shows... Um, it was a master class and I was scared to death about not bringing it every day. So the fact that they were all patient with me and that that play happened the way it did, um, Josh as my lucky is, he's just a phenomenal freaking person and so kind and we, we communicated about the rope so I never worried about choking him for real. You know, it was just, it was great. Um, and yeah, like that's a that's one of those theater experiences that I never thought was gonna happen. I never thought, I've never believed that what it is that I do on stage was gonna take me to what I consider the next level here. So when I was in college, Curious, Arvada, Denver Center, sure, those are the next levels for me. And I to, to be honest, I never believed I'd get there. And the fact that I was, yeah. That, 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 you know, it's, I've always gotten a conflict about, and I think me and you had a conversation too about once being, I approached you during You on the Moors about being the best, and for me, there's, there, the, the separation of ego from what it is I'm doing yeah. has been really difficult at times, mainly because um, I'm a single child, and I, I, I was always seeking to be good at something, so I stood out and was recognizable. Sure. And as a 34-year-old man, I've gotten a little better, but now I have a podcast so people can hear my voice. Like, there's clearly a cry for help. I'm drinking while I'm doing it. There's a lot going on here. Please we're, we're love both, me. We're both drinking. Oh, thank God. Okay, so at least I'm not drinking a lot. Yeah. That's what we like to call collaboration, not co-misery. <laughs> We're not True. both in misery. We're both. We're having a good time. We're elaborating. Yeah, we're elaborating. We're we're we're, we're tripping the night. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, but so just going back to it, like, sure. like it was just a. I had that ego. To protect me, the belief was never. I was enough to get there, and or did I deserve? Sure. So, have you encountered, like, at least for our conversation's sake back in the day, uh -huh. have you encountered, do you still encounter, the ego in your work? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is definitely a... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, there is... 
there, there's, a, there's, I think there is a good kind of ego. Okay. There's a good kind of, of uh, confidence in oneself to, to believe that your, uh, your abilities can not only stand up to every person in the room, but also show them what you've done. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and <I'll clears throat> hmm, how best to phrase this? Um, Take your time, baby. Take your time. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the one of the biggest things that I could probably point to in my recent history is uh, is uh, <clears throat> is Hamlet. Okay. Uh, at CSF this last summer was. <clears throat> Uh, getting to work with uh, Lena Klingeman as mm. Hamlet, uh, Ava Kostya as Horatio, Emily O'Hara as Ophelia, I mean, Mary Trevathan. Like, there, there's yeah. just the, the, these big, huge names and these big, phenomenal uh, women performers, uh, and not, I mean, not just women, but, but that whole cast. And Carolyn Horth really knows how to throw up. Put a cast together, and and um, and there were some, you know, there there is there's always going to be a thing I think, and and I'm I'm gonna lump you in with me because okay. I think if we were if we were to be put in a casting bucket, mm -hmm. we would be character actors. Yeah, we're absolutely. Big dudes. We're big dudes. We're, yeah, we're, we're tall. We have. You know, basso voices. We have that sort of mm -hmm. that gruff, rough pazzo look. Yeah, That's we can also the, go pretty high every once in a while. Right, and yeah. we can play that. I mean, we can. I would love to see either of us in a commedia, mm. dell'arte sort of situation because I think both of us bring also this really cool energy um, that big people were supposed to be lumbering and yeah. And but you know, you did it with Marmy and you did it with uh, with. Uh, uh, Noir. Mm -hmm. DJ Noir. DJ Noir. Joseph and <laughs> Um Joseph. But, uh, I think going into Hamlet and seeing, uh, seeing that, that massive group of, of super dedicated performers, I mean, mm -hmm. um, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm name dropping and whatever else. Do it. Uh, with Lena, like seeing Lena Klingeman's work ethic mm -hmm. was phenomenal. She was she was on top of it every day during rehearsal. She was she was she just she did the work. She did this fucking work every yeah. fucking day, and she killed it. And she, you know, if you got a chance to see see Hamlet this summer, you got to see a a, a human dynamo in action, and. Um, and I had the joy and the task of, of understudying for Claudius and for Sam Gregory, mm -hmm. uh, who played uh, Hamlet's father, the ghost, and he also played our player king. Um, and I, if anything that I, if anything I learned throughout the summer, it's when you do a show with somebody, you you have been given the trust of that director mm -hmm. to be on stage to be present and to be a part of that because they want you there. Yeah. They need you there. Yeah. And no matter how many because uh, 
I had a I had a small speech, and I've also played Cornelius uh, in. Um, no, I didn't. I played Voldemort. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I played Cornelius. Wait, what? Ah, All uh, right, no more for you, so you're cut off. <laughs> Give me more. I'll remember more. Uh, no, I I, uh, I had this at this moment where I was thinking to myself like. What if, what if I could have gotten something different? What if I could have, you know, what, what if I played Claudius or what if this or what mm. if that? Mm-hmm. And all I did, that is the, that is the thief of joy right there. Yeah, it is. Isn't is it? when you say, what if I could have done this? You know what? You've been chosen by a director to do that specific job for them. Yeah. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, that, that definitely helped me, um, that summer getting into that when I did understudy for the Arvada Center because I understudied for uh, for three roles at the Arvada Center for, for Foreigner mm. and and, um, and if I had had ego at that point yeah. saying I should have been cast as blank 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 yeah dude I wouldn't have wouldn't have worked I wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked for yeah. anybody yeah and it was a great fun show and was, there was a good reason for that because they put the right people in there and I'm sure I'm glad I never had to go on because it was such a phenomenal cast mm-hmm. Sammy Joe Kennett right? yep yep and uh, Car- uh, uh, or Greg Unger mm. um, who came on for Sam this last couple weekends ago yeah, for all yeah. my sons big ups Greg yeah and uh, you know Jess Robley and, oh. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna gush about Jess I gotta have Jess on the show because for the longest time, I had vaguely heard the name, but had no idea who Jess was. Uh-huh. And she understudied Bus Stop with me. And she was she was quiet and did her job. She was ready to go. Um, fun to be with. And then she did Drowning Girls. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy crap, you're fucking amazing. Yeah. And that's not to say that no one else was amazing. Those three women, Kate and Emily Van Fleet, um, although they're not related, Kate Gleason, Emily Van Fleet, are all amazing. Missy Moore, who understudied, an amazing actress. Yeah. But Jessica was the, for me, was an anomaly. Like, I had not predicted. Breathtaking. Yeah. Breathtaking. Absolutely. And I think, but, but to stop dropping names for a moment, you're absolutely right. I got into Bust Up as an understudy. I'm understudying Sam Gregory, Jeff Kent, Michael Morgan, and Josh Grubbs. Those four men are all men that at one point in time or another I had seen on stage knocking something out of the park. Like those names had preceded me before I got into the game. Or even after and I started paying attention to who was making good theater. And there were definitely days where like, oh man, I want I want I want to get up there. I want to I want to play with those this group of people in this moment. Because I want to see and 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 that's an okay thought to, to want to get up there. Sure, sure. But to, when w- those, there were moments where I was like, it should be me. I'm like, nah, no. this, is, this is absolutely right for you. Just like when I, when I got into doing Pazzo, I'm like, nah, this is right for me. Yeah. This, is where, this, is my, this is my opportunity. I needed bus stop or I wouldn't have had <clears throat> Pazzo be as fun and exciting for me as it was. Sure. Um, but that's, that, was, that was that moment. And then... We got into you on the moors now, and I was surrounded by so much talent, and I was like, I do, sometimes I don't know what my my greatness, quote unquote, 
feels like, mm-hmm. so I immediately start judging it. And it's, it's, it, it sucked the joy out of rehearsal for about a, fo- a solid week. Mm-hmm. I was so in my head about like, try this and try that and blah, 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 blah. And it got, I think we had the conversation, I had a conversation with you and then I had a conversation with Timothy McCracken in the hallway at the DCPA while yeah. we were rehearsing. And uh, it was, the, the bottom line take that I get from that is, just shut up and show up. Shut up and show up. Let love yours. I'm gonna steal a, a line from J. Cole, the rapper. Love yours. Yeah. Take what take what you've been given. The director, as as you so eloquently put it, has given you this awesome opportunity. Whether she's given he or she's given you an awesome opportunity, embrace it. Make that the best it can be. For sure. Marry yourself to that. Yeah. Um, and and that's what turns me on about the process and, and, I'll, and, and I'll, I'll take you into this what when you when I when I hand you the script I'm like alright you're the lead in I don't know Chinese coffee it's a two hander okay and you what is it about the work that excites you the grind sir the grind man um Bears. Yep. Baptist. Uh, have done some really horrible things <laughs> covering up <laughs> all of their stuff with their football team. We won't get into that. Yeah, let's not go. Let's not do uh, a deep dive uh, there. So we, <clears throat> for a long ass time, I I, uh, I was really in depth in Christianity and and, and uh, what is your mission in life? What is your goal in life? You know that you know if you're not. Uh, if you're not preaching the gospel, you're doing it wrong, basically. Uh-huh. And that was my that was my some of my early upbringing, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what speaks to me in process is is actually connected to that, and that's the idea of prophecy, and that's the idea mm. of. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about you know not Nostradamus style, no, no. that kind of stuff. I'm excited though. This that's this is a new take. I I love that idea. Keep going. Uh, yeah, well, it's the because um, uh, so like, and I'm gonna get this wrong because it's been years since I studied any sort of divinity or any sort of and stuff like that. But like, uh, <coughs> Nehemiah was a, a favorite of mine. In the prayer of Nehemiah at the beginning of his book. Um, <coughs> give me the strength to. Say the words that need to be said mm. uh, to to perform the <clears throat> the tasks that are laid ahead of me, and I'm I am absolutely spitballing. I'm not holy bibling that shit. Um, <clears throat> I don't <laughs> I don't remember the scripture as well, but uh, Shakespeare wrapped it up in offering use of fire. Um, you know, to let this work, let these words speak to me in a way that the character is gonna latch on to something that's because I, I think it's false and I think it's rude to uh, 
try to force your idea of what that character is onto that person. What the script does is it provides you a vessel for um, that part of your soul, that part of your personhood to speak on stage. Okay. Uh, if I'm gonna pay, if I'm gonna play Macbeth, um, Mackers. Mackers. Sorry, we're not Steve. That's true. Although we might do stage reading in here, you never know. Hey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, we can't understand what a what an evil person is because there is while there are people that have evil tendencies, while there are people who have uh, literally psychological breaks, they, 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 they don't maybe don't know the difference between good and evil, they don't know whether they're doing something bad or good. True. I as a person see the, the driving uh, factor of Macbeth to be if you want me to use Macbeth, I'll use Macbeth. I'm kidding. <laughs> I um, left the salt upstairs where we have to stay down here. I'll, I'll walk outside and swear. <laughs> but, um, no, we're fine. We're fine. No, but he, Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, uh, man, I, I would play that character and I've played him three times. I played that dude three times. I've played Malcolm life. three times. Woo! Bring it on. Somebody, somebody remount this shit up here in Denver. Let's do it. It's a good one. Hell yes. Cheers. Cheers. So, uh, I'm going to play him as a person who is in the, uh, in the grips of trying to find equivocation in the actions of, mm -hmm. the, of his, because I don't, I've never had the opportunity to go for that sort of power. But I need to find something. I think he needs to find something that is uh, personally gaining to him, mm -hmm. as well as powerful. Uh, uh, gain. He would gain power as well as gain something personal from being king of mm -hmm. Scotland. So I think that part of my process is opening up to what does this person want? Uh, what does this person need? And how can I how can I sell that part of the story as long as it fits with the director's vision <clears throat> how can I bring that to the table along with the arc of the entire story mm -hmm. so picking up a script um, and letting it speak to me um, typically I don't, I don't have like a set you know, you know some people say I read the script three times in a row and then I take notes and then I read it again and I compare my notes and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Typically my process is I read the script one time, I sit for about 20 minutes afterwards, after I've read through the whole script, and, uh, and I think about what uh, the character that, that I'm playing, so if it's you know, Chinese Poppy, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the two-hander, I think what, what does that person want how would I get what that person wants? Mm -hmm. And how are they working together? Awesome. So. That's a great breakdown. <laughs> so often I've asked myself this question of what the character wants, and I would always use the universal I, me and him. Right. It's nice to, or in the case of Marmy, her. Right. And it's nice to break, to have that separation. Um, Thank you. That's a great. That's a great little piece on that perspective. Um, I want to ask you another question, but mainly because um, I have a great deal of respect for you, as also as a man. 
Um, when we were talking earlier today in our podcast, you had mentioned uh, masculinity. Do you, do you have a desire to pull out the best possible male your character can be? Or is that just on a case-by-case basis? Or do you even consider that? I don't... Uh, um, I'd say I wouldn't consider it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character's going to be written as male or female or... Mm-hmm. or what? Whatever they're going to be written as. Whatever the pro- uh, pronoun. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the flower. Mm-hmm. If you're Audrey too. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think the intention of the character. That sometimes, at some point, it could be. Um, and this is where you get into the definition of masculinity and femininity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can necessarily call masculinity <coughs> uh, would be the idea that you, you know, there's strength and there is there is. Uh, Overbearing uh, nature, maybe, or or uh, or you know, the provider, the gatherer, the, the the father figure. I think patriarchy is probably it's it's so well woven into masculinity as itself because I think the definition of masculinity is something that's so it's it's incredibly nebulous because it should be a mix. It what what really masculine masculinity and femininity should be are are. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should respect every person as they are. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is also tripping into the whole question of um, uh, gender, mm-hmm. uh, which is a it's a rocky road to trust to, to travail, especially whenever we are in a part of our history where identification is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless there's, uh, you know, unless he is, unless you're playing, uh, just a super, super duper, like Gaston style, nah. <laughs> absolutely big, uh, chest hair and, and all about the whole, uh, uh, uh male persona, mm-hmm. um, or, or masculine persona, I guess I would say, um, no, I don't typically, uh, typically assign a masculinity to my character necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I do, it's, it's the type of masculinity that I try to bring to. Mm-hmm. I had actually had a note whenever I was, uh, whenever I was in college, I played Frank Butler in Annie Get Your Gun, and I, we posted several of the videos of, uh, of our performance online, and uh, somebody said, I wish that Frank had been a little bit more rude to Annie. Mm-hmm. I wish that he'd been a little bit more devil may care type thing and I was like well if you go back and look at my performance I'm defending myself to a YouTuber so like who's the sad person here definitely but, uh, the YouTuber <laughs> definitely the YouTuber right? <laughs> um, but I remember thinking to myself well he's hey if you wrote it to be really rude to Anna you didn't write it strong enough for me to want to just throw her to the ground and say that she's worthless mm-hmm what, what you did want me to do is say, I'm better than you. Not because I'm male. Because I... I mean, necessarily in the musical, he, he does say because he's a man, he's better. Is this the chair? Or is it's it? the chair. Yeah, you're in the... You're, you're in the fuck chair. No, you, no don't push Here, away. No, 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 no. No, hold on, folks. I'm doing a readjust. Oh, he's doing the whole thing. Oh. I'm gonna... I'm gonna oh, man. Whiskey, hold on. 
Get more whiskey. He's he's put my eagle blanket on the ground. They just won the Super Bowl, people. Big fucking deal. Big fucking deal, he says. He doesn't care. Who'd you root for, you Patriot fan? I don't root for anybody. You root for yourself. I root for my damn self. Yeah, that's right. Get it up. Get it right. What are you drinking over there? Shut up. <laughs> He's going deep. He's pulling out the cranberry juice. Is it going for Tito's? Ah, the departed. Ah, the departed. Hell yes, sir. Mm. All right, let's get that little fuck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, folks, it was just bugging me. No, it's totally fine. It's, it's, um, I call it the fuck chair. Nothing's ever happened in it, though, but it sounds like it's happening. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Sadness. That's <laughs> my, my jerk off chair. Yeah. No. Um, Maybe. No, uh... <laughs> Man, let's just share the couch. This is uncomfortable. Do you want to get, get on the couch? Yeah, get up here next to me. We'll man hug it. Yay! Yay! We're men! We're men on a nice See, leather this couch. This is masculinity, man. I'm going to yeah, sit it next is. to you on the couch. It, will you hold my hand? Yeah. Awesome. Let's get over here. Hands. Okay, good. Move the snowball over. We'll talk to each other. Oh, sweet. Nice. nice. This might actually be the clearest our audio will be all night, so I love it. Fucking awesome. There we go. Mm. So, you were saying. Yes. Ooh. Oh, he's so warm. Aren't I? So, um, the, the, uh, the, the, we're, <laughs> and my erection. <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't think masculinity in your character needs to be defining okay. unless it's written in. Nice. I think Peter Shaw was a feminist. Okay. Because he worked with the Harvard computers. At least by the end, he was a feminist. Hmm. He needed that change. He yeah. Needed to get yeah, that. he needed that change, just like most men in this world do. Do you see that as maybe that's not something you set out for? But well, I guess I'll ask this: Are you pl- are you surprised or happy when that is part of the change for your character? Oh, definitely, yes. definitely. When you can learn uh, how to be a better human mm-hmm. as a character, I think that's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Um, and I think it happens. Too often it happens off stage after the show's done, mm-hmm. um, where the people learn their lesson. And, you know, you don't want a cutesy. Uh, uh, I don't know how to define this. How to, how to explain this? Uh, you, you don't want. Sometimes you don't want all the the ends tied up. You don't want to make yeah. your church play where like everybody's happy and the mm-hmm. sun's shining. Mm-hmm. But maybe possibly the knowledge that when you leave. When that character leaves and goes to the next part of their life, they will have learned something. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love those. I love those stories that leave something to be answered, but the people around that something having been irrevocably changed in some direction that can at least help you paint the picture. Yeah, as to what's going to come next. For sure, that's really exciting. Absolutely, I think that's a that's the sign of a good playwright damn straight um before we sign off here at the ghost lights podcast we always ask um a closing question and that is what is how would you leave the ghost light on for the next generation or in other words what's a piece of advice you wish you had gotten so you don't fall off the front of the stage at night Hmm. see what I did there oh the ghost light yeah see um my favorite and only um, superstition about theater. Go ahead. Yeah, dude, I love it. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I think probably the most important thing that I would say is have a have more respect for the stories that you don't for the stories that you don't tell every day. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This is something that you and I have talked about before, but uh, I'm a white cis-identifying uh, hetero male. Mm -hmm. And what I did, what I've done <clears throat> for years of my life is, is not read the stories that were meant for women that were meant for gay people, that were meant for uh, transgender audiences, that were meant for black people, that mm. were meant for... And I kind of cracked into this in my college years, but but to say that you... that To say that I, as an artist, have done my job in reading the works of people outside of my sphere of experience, I'd be lying. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've read some, I've read a little bit, but there's always more work that we can do outside of our own sphere. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, if you, have, if you have money to give to those sources, great. Yeah. If you have time to give to those, those, those companies, those people, those, those creators, give that time. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm going to throw... Kevin Smith's name up again. Uh, he 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 made a quote, and there's I I'm, I'm missing it, but close to there's no way that by contributing to an artist's success you can do wrong. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> as long as their art is not hurting people, literally, that's or the intent. Emotionally, mm -hmm. or or spiritually, if they're if the intent is good behind their work, there is nothing you can do wrong by supporting an artist. And I think as long as we <clears throat> make sure that we don't do it for personal gain or for just to further the art form, I think that's one of the most important things. So if you're a white male, tell black women's stories. There you go. Uh, learn black women's stories. Maybe yeah. don't tell them for them. Yeah. That's not, that's not your job. Yeah. But step up and say... Put money behind them. Put money behind them. Say, I support you. Put your energy behind it. Put that energy behind it and say, I'm here for you if you need anything. That's true. I think that's what I would tell myself yeah. if I could talk to 21-year-old Austin. Nice. Mm. That is, that's a great message. Thank you, Austin. Um, once again, folks, um, I, at the moment, I'm kind of speechless. Thank you. That is the Ghost Lights podcast. Please... Um, in that same vein, look up Black Actors Guild. Support them today. They need something. I'm sure they would take any donation you could possibly throw their way. Um, look out at the Athena Project. They got their festival about to start. Mm -hmm. Hit up Antoto 2. They tell female stories and only female stories written by females. W women, get their stories out there. Help them today. Donate today. They have a fundraiser going on. As we speak, in fact, today is the last day to contribute to a, a fundraiser for Antoto 2. Check them out on Facebook. Yep. While you're on Facebook, after you've donated to those three theater companies, um, hit up the Denver, the Denver Actors Fund. Um, support, supporting them is supporting us when we can't support ourselves. Mm -hmm. So... 
please look into that. And once again, support live theater. We're going to be here. We're not going away. We tell the different brand of story that you can't get in a movie theater or at home in front of Netflix. So please, please do so. Ladies and gentlemen, the actor is Austin Terrell. The man is Austin Terrell. 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 You got it right. I was right. <laughs> I'm... You done, you done good. I done good? You done real good. Damn hell. Fuck shit. With the ghost lights, the song is usually war, but uh, I'm going to change it up for you, everybody. I, I feel like going to outer space on this one. Oh, damn. Because, you know what? This is the Moors. This is the Moors family reunion. <sighs> We're shooting stars tonight, folks. As I scroll through the iPhone, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen. We go out with the Bag Raiders. The song is Shooting Stars. Holla at your boy. It's the Ghost Lights Podcast. Podbean. iTunes. Sign up ASAP. Love Oath!